Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I am your host, Stephen Spinecker, and I have some great guests here. This is going to be a really awesome and unusual episode because we're going to reveal a brand new website that's kind of, it's been around for a while, but it's been refurbished and rebuilt. And it's really exciting because it's like a reference of the Book of Mormon. And I think those of you who are students of the Book of Mormon, whether you're Christian, and guess what, folks, there's another Christian here with us today uh, and who's really into the Book of Mormon. And so this is a very exciting thing. So what we're going to do is Casey Kern is, this is his project that he's been working on for 15 years. And I'm very excited. He wanted, he asked, hey, can I come on? And I want to talk about my new thing. I'm like, yeah, awesome, dude. Open door. All my previous guests have open door invitations to come back on. But before we do that, you all know who Casey is. Uh, Corey Howell, uh, you're an interesting dude because you're like me. You're a Protestant who's interested in the Book of Mormon yes. and Mormonism, right? Yes, I am a Methodist music director. I direct music ministries at a, a Methodist church, a United Methodist church, uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And yeah, I've been into the Book of Mormon, oh goodness, for about, like, I've been seriously reading it for 15 years, probably. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I want to talk about that. But before we do that, what I'd like to do is when I have people from other faith traditions, um, especially within the Protestant evangelical world, like I've had uh, Dr. Jordan Cooper from the Lutheran, and one of the best known Lutheran theologians in the country. I've had uh, Pentecostals like Dr. Christopher Thomas on, and other evangelicals like I had somebody from the Christian Missionary Alliance last week, uh, Jeff McCullough, um, who's got a great thing going. Um, I want you to tell me a little bit, uh, Corey, about the United Methodist Church. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, sure. Um, and I was actually raised and confirmed Lutheran and then sort of uh, drifted away from faith uh, for several years in my 20s. And um, when I first rediscovered my faith, it was actually in a very high liturgical tradition, the Episcopal Church, which I attended for a couple of years. Um, but I think um, just to give you a little bit of my background beyond that, I, my first church music job was in a Methodist church in my hometown, United Methodist Church. Uh, the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church actually came out of a, a merger between a couple different Methodist denominations back in the late 60s. Um, but Methodism as a, as a larger group kind of came out of, um, out of the Anglican tradition in the 18th century. So John Wesley and Charles Wesley, who you'll find hymns by Charles Wesley in pretty much every major denominational history, they kind of started the Methodist tradition. In America, it's seen as a fairly liberal mainline Protestant denomination, although that's actually currently right this weekend, in fact, there's a, a Kind of a split happening yep. in the yeah. United Methodist Church. There's a new, more slightly more conservative uh, denomination that's starting on May 1st called the Global Methodist okay. Church. Yep. Uh, and then my church is still, we're United Methodists. So um, and partly for me too, it was, uh, my wife was raised in uh, what's the Stone Campbell tradition, a restoration mm -hmm. tradition. Um, she was raised in that. I was raised Lutheran. Methodism has kind of become a thing where we can kind of meet in the middle. Um, and she actually has found a ton of things that really fulfill her in the Methodist faith. And I've worked in Methodist churches now as a musician for, well, the past 14 years. So uh, that's kind of where I am now, which is a mainline Methodist. 
Wow. So yeah, that's interesting. And you had mentioned that mainline. So now, of course, I identify as an evangelical, obviously mm -hmm. a little quirky. I, I will admit that I'm not the, the party line evangelical, but uh, you know, we tend to uh, have a tradition of being more conservative. And actually, I'm glad mm -hmm. you brought up the split because this actually would have happened a few years ago if it wasn't for COVID. But basically, you have the global, United, the global Methodist Church, mm -hmm. the United Methodist Church. The global Methodist Church is going to be more about the evangelical branch which probably mm -hmm. what, is about a third or so of the United Methodist Church, would you say? about? At this point, it's hard to tell. In, in America, certainly, because you know, United Methodist Church is a global church. And that's yeah. where we kind of, you probably, if you, you seem like you were following some of the news about Methodism, in 2019, I believe it was, uh, there was a huge argument over some uh, issues of human sexuality and um a lot of the uh, the non-American churches are much more conservative, and much of the uh, United Methodist Church in, in America tends towards liberalism, but there is probably, I would say, closer to a quarter, maybe. Okay. It's, it's really hard to tell, even in our own local church. It's very hard to tell which people are kind of in the center, don't really have a, a horse in e either race, and which people are fairly conservative and which ones are, are more strongly liberal. Um, so there is a wide spectrum. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Church. And so so basically what we're having is kind of what the, the evangelical wing, what remains of it within the, in, in the United Methodist Church is going to be now joining basically up with many of the uh, countries in, in, in like from South America and Africa that are predominantly more conservative. And they're going to mm -hmm. be forming the Global Methodist Church. And you guys will retain the name United Methodist Church. It's that's the history. What's that? <laughs> For now, we'll retain that name. It's it's unclear what will happen because at once once it kind of splits, then the name United kind of becomes unintentionally ironic. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So um, so yeah, so you would so you're saying uh, your main line. So that makes you more liberal. What is a liberal mainline Methodist uh, believe? I guess you would say. I mean, most most of us, you know, people that I know, still are very much interested in the Bible uh, as, as a rule of faith. Um, but I think there's also a, a, a stronger um, uh, social justice element tends to be very prevalent among, I, I guess, maybe more than liberal, I'd even say, you know, we tend to talk about uh, ourselves as progressive, you know, so the idea of building relationships, of welcoming people into the church, um, no matter their backgrounds, and, you know, and uh, so you get into uh, the whole debate always tends to be about how people read scripture. And uh, I think, you know, one, one of the things we'll be talking about is, is how, how people read scripture informs their beliefs on other scriptures. But even when it comes to the, the, the Bible, it's very, very possible um, to read scripture in, in a host of different ways and so you tend to you know combine your your maybe your some of your political your social um your moral views are informed by scripture and then probably inform your reading of scripture too that's that's the kind of roundabout way of saying it i guess but um i think for most people that i know that are on the more progressive end they're very very um concerned about the future of you know is there a home for my children in the church? Is there a home for those who are, are disenfranchised? Is, is everyone welcome in the United Methodist Church? Um, and 
you know, the, the answer to that can be uh, uh, complex. Our church, though, you know, the one thing that we we do, we talk about helping, healing, and home. That's part of our vision statement. And the idea is we're helping people in our community. We're offering healing to people who have had problems in the past with whatever it is, um, people who might have been burned by religion, um, who might have been burned by life. Um, and when, then we talk about home, you know, making things, uh, making a welcome spiritual home for people. And that's part of where music is part of that, creating a home for people. Um, and so one of the things we keep saying and the leadership of our church keeps saying is that, uh, that no matter what the United Methodist Church decides going forward, our work stays the same helping healing home and so um you know we're, we're hoping that we can continue as at least as a local church to continue doing all the work that we currently do which is helping our community and and welcoming people into the body of christ and and uh, and offering a home for people well, very interesting so casey i just have to ask you a question we have progressives and we have conservatives does that sound familiar to you uh, yeah, it, it seems that, you know, no matter what segment of, of humanity you encounter, there's going to be a, a, a spectrum of, um, you know, views and usually informed by by life experience and uh, and tradition and those kinds of things. So I think to some extent, yeah, that is to be expected. Yeah. So you're probably looking over there. Boy, it's a big mess over there. And those Protestants you know, <laughs> keep on breaking off. And, you know, that's been the criticism of us all along. So, you know, Corey, I just one last thing about just your ministry. So you say you do music ministry. Um, what kind of music uh, like what is your role? Like, are you up in front singing? Or do you play an instrument? Um, what kind I, of music do you play? I direct a choir. Okay. Uh, so right now, after COVID, my choir went from about 20 people to somewhere around a dozen, 13. Um, I also direct a handbell choir. I also coordinate soloists and I sometimes do sing myself. Um, actually, this, this is uh, one thing that we just did at our church. Um, the, uh, we have a director of congregational care who's kind of like an assistant pastor, but he's kind of still in the process of ordination. Um, and he and I actually did the U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, okay. to kind of kick off a new sermon series. Um, so. I played piano and sang, and he played guitar and sang. So we tend to do pretty traditional Methodist hymnody, but as far as the styles of music that people share, it's we run the gamut. In fact, Palm Sunday, uh, we collaborate with another United Methodist Church in the same community, and so we had the two choirs sing together, and we had a, a fourteen-piece orchestra oh, wow. that that director and I took turns directing, and we. Did our cantata at both both churches so you know we're, we're we have kind of expanded out to even doing collaborations with very talented instrumentalists and and you know a host of different said 32 different singers and so well, yeah, I like it, it, it kind of runs a, a wide gamut that's cool i like that you picked it because a lot of people don't realize that uh they're a christian rock band if you will uh and just yeah. so you know a little history about you two uh they were part of a bible study and they studied yes. the writings of watchman Nee who was a uh, the gentleman in the church, persecuted underground church in China. And his writings and stuff has become very influential in the, in the West, mm. but it's also, they have a, they're part of the uh, underground house church movement in China. It's a very fascinating story. So Google Watchman Nee and yep. read about that remarkable man and history. So, and I would say Joshua Tree was probably one of the greatest Christian albums of the eighties. Yep. <laughs> really, it if is. you listen to those songs on Joshua Tree, it's 
it is a Christian album to a certain extent. Absolutely. I would, so, I would say one of the greatest albums of the 80s period. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. Th there is no better opening three tracks of any album. Oh, so great. At all. Great. So, um, okay, so this is the thing now. This is the folks, people are like, wait, okay, oh, well, this is interesting, but okay. Well, got, just... I get Steven, because he's been on doing this for a year, and yeah, he's kind of weird, but I like him because he's <laughs> and all that about the Book of Mormon. So I guess I have, I'm fascinated by people because there aren't a whole lot of people like me. And then I find out, of, and we were, we were conversing last summer. We just briefly talked to each other uh, on Facebook Messenger, just kind of trading notes a little bit. And I just, I'm dying to know, dude, um, tell me a little bit about your journey with the Book of Mormon and what got you interested in the first place and go from there. Yeah, it's actually kind of, it's, a, it's an interesting, I've been thinking about this as we've been discussing this. And um, uh, I remember my earliest memory of just knowing there was such a thing of Mormon is that my mother, I think when I was 11 or 12, uh, I saw this on my mom's bookshelf. I know you're familiar with that. Um, she said, oh, yeah, it's the Book of Mormon. It's kind of like the Bible. I had no idea what that there were people called Mormons. Um, I remember taking a look, you know, that's got that few interesting Book of Mormon references in the inside cover. I remember taking a look at some of that, and I was like, Columbus and Revolutionary War, and it, it looked kind of like a Bible, and yeah. it read kind of like a King James Bible, and I took a look at a few pages and was like, I don't know what that is, and forgot about it for a few years. Um, and then after that, I've had several interesting interactions with um, with Mormons that I think are well worth telling you about. Um, one was when I was in uh, college, a girlfriend of mine, um, she had a roommate who was LDS and invited her to church. And for a short while, this girlfriend was like, I, I'm going to become a Mormon. I think, I think uh, this is for me. And I remember just thinking, okay. And so I did some research in the the university library where I was and I remember being mostly confused because the vast majority of stuff they had uh, at Illinois Wesleyan University Library was very confusing a lot of it was I would say fairly anti-Mormon um, I don't even remember any of the books I looked at but I just remember saying okay well if you're interested I'll, I'll visit one with you but it just never happened she kind of lost interest and then fast forward to several years later when I was uh finishing up grad school, I did some substitute teaching at, uh, at the uh, Illinois State University's lab school. I ended up working uh, with some uh, profoundly disabled children, and I found it really, uh, really fulfilling. And one of the ladies that I worked with was a, a woman who we were talk, chatting, and she mentioned that she was LDS. And uh, we chatted a bit. I said, oh, that's really interesting. I've, I've, I've I think I have a copy of the Book of Mormon, but I've never read it. She said, oh, yeah, it's really interesting. And um, that next summer, my wife and I had been married for just a couple of years. She was teaching piano lessons. I was teaching voice lessons. Most of our students were going on vacation. Things were pretty lean. And this Mormon lady called me up on the phone and said, my husband and I are going to Vienna. We'd like to know if you'd like to take care of our, our uh, lawn while we're gone. We'll pay you and you can have anything you want out of our, our fruit and vegetable garden. And we were like, yes, we need the money. We need the food. And during that whole summer, it's not a, a stretch to say that they literally kept us alive because every couple of weeks they'd call up and say, oh, we just went to the farmer's market and we got too much. Would you like to come over and just 
grab a bag of produce. Uh, oh, you know, we just, we had too much stuff in our garden. Would you like some produce? And we, we had ratatouille and things made out of this uh, produce when it was really hard to make ends meet. And so that was a very positive experience. But I think what got me reading the Book of Mormon was a chance encounter I had when my daughter was a, a babe, my older daughter, who's now 15, was a baby. I bumped into a missionary in, in the park and I was pretty busy because I had a new baby. And he said, well, would you like to take this pamphlet home? And, and read Moroni chapter 10, you know, <laughs> Moroni's promise. And uh, I was like, well, I've got a couple copies of the Book of Mormon that I've acquired over the um, you know, last few years. Um, I should start reading this thing. Um, and so I, uh, I began reading it um, and just kind of over, that was, like I said, close to 15 years ago. And over those 15 years, just different copies of the Book of Mormon have have found their way to my collection. Uh, this one, I don't even remember when I got this, but it's a 1950s large print edition with illustrations, Mesoamerica stuff. Um, I love the type size in this one. This was one of the ones when I started to read it that I kind of said, oh, finally one that's easy on the eyes. Um, and since then, I, my collection's just kind of grown. Wow. Yeah, so I'm kind of eye in mind. I have that edition, but I don't have the large print edition. So that's it's, that's cool. It's pretty. It's pretty nice. Um, another interesting one that just came my way, actually, I, I found this on eBay. This is a, a, it was a missionary edition from I think the '70s, and it came as a set with uh, their, the, this was just a Cambridge Paragraph Bible that they that some of the missionaries had. Um, in zipper bindings and everything. So this is the 1920 edition of the Book of Mormon, but it has a little guide to taking care of your, your Bible and your, your missionary copy of the Book of Mormon. That's I got great. that on eBay for a really reasonable price. They're in great shape. So Corey, um, when did you go from just having a few copies organically to actually seeking yeah. them out on eBay? And, and I, <laughs> it kind of grew, I would say mostly over the past 10 to 14 years, I guess. Um, I say I also collect Bibles. My Bible collection right now is somewhere around 300 volumes. Um, and so collecting copies of Book of Mormon just kind of naturally happened. And as I got more interested in trying to figure out what was going on, that also made my collection grow. I think I was telling you guys earlier that um, I discovered Grant Hardy's Reader's Edition early on. This is the hardcover edition, actually, because my paperback started wearing out as I was reading more of it. And uh, so I was like, I got to get a hardcover edition of that. Um, same thing with Royal Skousen's edition. I started being very interested in the text and how the text had evolved from, you know, in small ways from 1830 to now. Um, and so and just as I, and we've got a great used bookstore here in the Nashville area uh, where they've constantly got interesting little things. That's where I first encountered the uh, Restored Covenant edition published by the Zarahemla Research Foundation. That was like four bucks or something at this used bookstore. That very one, yes. That's where I got my copy of the, the Bicker Tonight Book of Mormon that you showed us earlier. Um, oh, in fact, recently, this, now I'm getting really geeky. 
Steve. Um, I just recently stumbled on apparently somebody has been selling copies of things to this used bookstore that they've rebound by hand. So this wow. is a triple with nice big print that's rebound in suede with extra ribbon markers and such. Oh, nice. And then I might, it must have been the same sort of work because this is a quad, thumb index quad, that's bound in suede, like a big flappy sort of snap edition of suede and a journal edition of the Book of Mormon, also hand bound with more ribbon markers. Uh, these things were like, I don't know, like four bucks a piece or something. And they're just, they're really kind of beautiful. They are. Well, that is so cool. Is there a name in there? Like, like that it finds to? its way into my... Yeah, no, that has to be so cool. So do you do you primarily get your stuff through eBay or you go hunting at used bookstores? Mostly this local used bookstore. Um, the, the missionary set I showed you um, was from eBay. This is one of my greatest finds ever, I think. It's just, it's a quad in like a teal color. <laughs> Um, with a matching case. Um, I found this in literally just a big bin at a local Goodwill where they say it's a Goodwill outlet where they just sell things by the pound. And so they were selling books for a certain amount per pound. So I think I worked out the math. I think this cost me like 75 cents. And it still has somebody's favorite scriptures just kind of on a card stuck in the pocket. I love <laughs> like, that. Stuff like that really fascinates me. If it's been marked up just a little yeah. bit, and yeah, that's that's just, my rule. When I when I if I come across a book of Mormon that has writing in it, I buy it. You know, because yeah, I've a, got several. Yeah. So even if it's just the regular missionary edition, just a cheap one, I don't care because it's uh, there's somebody telling a story. You know. Yeah. And I think it's, it's uh, on your. I, I, I oh, do want to. Interject real, real quick. I think it's uh, it's probably gonna be amusing for for people uh, for you to be so excited about something that is so ordinary. You know, like a quad <laughs> in in a little cloth carrier with a handle. I mean, that's just like lunch boxes at a school <laughs> or for a typical uh, LDS church yeah. meeting. Um, and and yeah, it's just uh, yeah. interesting to see you get excited about finding. Well, one it was there. funny to me because I remember digging through this bin of books and I saw this. I thought it was a Bible at first. And I open up, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a quad. And it's like just in this bin. I'm, that's that's a no-brainer to get that. Um, Steve, you've had Robert Messick on your show before. And I think he had this edition. His was white. But he uh, this one is another one I found on um, eBay because I saw it on Robert's uh, YouTube channel. And this is an RLDS. Uh, it's pretty much the RLDS equivalent of of a quad because it's got the Holy Scriptures, the 1966 RLDS Book of Mormon and the, their version of the Doctrine and Covenants. And it's in beautiful shape. One of the ribbon markers is a little bit frayed, but other than that, got that for oh, not much on eBay. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, it's really awesome he hearing you share your stories. And yeah, and just so you know, Robert, uh, I've had him on twice as a guest. Is the, he is the Book of Mormon Editions channel on YouTube. Check it out. He puts a lot of work in great. his videos, and it's a great resource. And uh, he's just continually to document and tell the stories of all the different editions of the Book of Mormon. So shout out to Robert. You're, you're the man. <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess my question is, were there, were there a couple more editions that you wanted to talk about? 
that you have in your collection? Um, that's most of them. This, this one's very cute. This is a this is one that's published by um, Zion Bound. They I think they recently came out. It's just a 1908 um, edition. It's the RL, RLDS edition essentially. Um, it's a tiny little leather bound one with a nice little ribbon. And I, I saw this, uh, I just stumbled on their website. Um, and I thought that would be a nice little addition to add. And it was pretty reasonably priced as I recall. And so um, that's, that's one of my most recent finds. Look how small it is. I mean, I can. Yeah. So it's called Zion Bound. What, who are they? Zion Bound. They have a, a website that I think it's called Zion Bound. Yeah, so they're, and they just make that many edition. Is that what they make? They, yeah, they make this many edition. They may make another edition as well. And they've got like a searchable Book of Mormon, nothing like what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. Okay. But, uh, you can search the 1908 edition. That's the only drawback is if if I were trying to look something up in this, I'd have to go to a chart to convert okay. the numbering system. That's so cool. Well, I just want to say I'm actually I've taped twice now my review of the Book of Mormon and 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 I went over a bunch of now I did one review of my reviews of my Book of Mormon last season for my book reviews, but this is like a continuation. But I actually I bring on some more editions that I received, and I think this one, of course, I I showed you last time. Uh, that's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So yeah, <laughs> I guess this this will be the trump card here. Boom. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That that makes my uh, my my other three uh, much much cheaper um, facsimiles look kind of silly, but I still like my facsimiles too. They're awesome. Yeah, I gotta love them. Yeah. And and that's the thing. So folks, I'm I take two uh, t twice, but I'm still not satisfied. So I'm gonna probably take my review of the book more one more time, and hopefully I'll have that out the next couple of weeks. Um, but I just wanted to ask you because, um, well, thank you for sharing some of your books, your collection. I, I love it. Um, what, what is it about the Book of Mormon that you love and, and why you keep coming back to it and reading it and studying it? I, I think that's uh, one of the things that interests me. And I think, um, I think the literary critic Harold Bloom might have said something about this. I've read a quote that it really is, if you just stop and think for a second, it is the... I would say it's the only significant um, uh, book of scripture to come out of America, you know. And regardless of what your your point of view is on the the origins of the Book of Mormon, um, it is a significant religious document for uh, uh, American Christianity. The the and, and I've I've heard a lot of the talk that you did with. Uh, John DeLynn, for example, about a lot of that early history and that that second great awakening time and, and the things that made the, the LDS movement start. Um, it's a fascinating period of history. And so um, that's one of the things I think that attracts me. But beyond that, um, I find the way the authors of, in the Book of Mormon, the prophets in the Book of Mormon, um, interact with scripture and with, uh, you know, like with Isaiah, the, uh, the visit of, of Jesus in third Nephi to the Americas, these things where you see scripture now in a different light, um, in a different part of history. Um, I think it's one of the things that, that really intrigues me about is, is again, regardless of your point of view on origins, how is in the context of the Book of Mormon's 
really long plot line. Um, how is scripture being transmitted and, and reimagined? And then as far as the way Mormons today use it alongside of the Bible, um, I think that's also fascinating. The way, the way in LDS culture, the Christian Bible and specifically the King James and the Book of Mormon, how those two religious works interact. I, I find that fascinating right there. And what is, I'm just curious, what's your favorite Book of Mormon story? Well, I, I will admit, one chat, one passage I come back to over and over again, and I'm still, I'm, I still find it fascinating, is uh, 2 Nephi 29. Because my words shall hiss forth, uh, there will be those that say, uh, I'm paraphrasing, that, that a Bible, a Bible, we have got a Bible. I find that an amazing, you know, I think the, the skeptic would immediately say, oh, Joseph Smith was trying to just sort of head him off at the pass sort of thing. But beyond that, I, I don't have any real, I don't have a, a horse in that race. I find it really a, an amazing little discourse there about how people approach scripture in general. You know, I, what I, I was just thinking of this earlier today that I wonder as the New Testament was coming together, what Jewish responses were in the surrounding culture about this new scripture, you know, a Bible, a Bible, we've got a Bible, we have the Torah, we have the prophets, we have the Psalms, we have this sort of thing, and how people looked at it. We, we just don't really have a whole lot of, at least so far in my Christian uh, scholarship, I've never encountered any really uh, reliable um, contemporary accounts of how people reacted to this new scripture. Because of the, the extensive documentation of how people reacted to the Book of Mormon early on, um, we do know kind of how that history worked early on. And so um, I, I think of that a lot. So that reaction to new scripture. Yeah, you know, I find, you know, and one of the things that when I did one of my interviews with John Hamer, uh, one of the things he brought up was how you, um, you're capturing, you're literally uh, getting a, a, a capturing 19th century great awakening sermons that were never written down mm. and they're written down in the Book of Mormon. So yes. it's a historical record of a Protestant 19th century awakening sermons that are, that we're reading in King Benjamin's sermons and all these throughout the Book of the Mormon. We're hearing, you know, just assuming, assuming a naturalistic explanation, and this is just all the influence of the 19th century, you're actually, actually hearing about a part of our history too, in the pages of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fascinating to me. I am also really fascinated, and this is the same, I'm the same way about the Bible. I get very geeky about textual details. That's why I have such a big Bible collection, I think, because I love to look at how uh, different translators translate uh, different Greek words. And when I look at the Book of Mormon, I'm fascinated with uh, the use of early modern English. At a time when early modern English had already fallen by the wayside. The King James was not contemporary. King James English was not contemporary at the time when Joseph Smith was translating the Book of Mormon. And yet he interacts, or, or you know, the, the English of the Book of Mormon interacts with that tradition as well. Um, I think uh, Casey might have seen one of my comments on his site that we'll get to later uh, about how it fascinated me for a long time that woe was spelled W-O through most of the Book of Mormon. 
And it all of a sudden struck me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I wonder how Noah Webster spelled woe in his famous dictionary of 1828, because I also collect dictionaries. Um, <laughs> but uh, sure enough, I went to the, the Webster Dictionary of 1828. Woe is spelled W-O. It was a very common spelling at that time. Noah Webster was all for shorter spellings. Um, and so it's 1828, Noah Webster, 1830, Book of Mormon. It All of a sudden, it just rang a bell. I was like, ah, of course it would be spelled W-O in the Book of Mormon. So, I know, but I, I never really considered that until just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's fascinating. If you, you continue to engage the text, it's always fascinating how much you get out of it and how many interesting things you find out. That's why I tell you know, Christians, uh, you know, there's a lot more to the Book of Mormon than you realize, and that you shouldn't be afraid of it, that there's actually, uh, it's a very, I don't call it Christian scripture, but I call it a Christian book, and it's an mm. area where I feel like, for instance, you know, Casey, you had brought up about, like, the taboos, like, what kind of taboos do evangelicals or Christians in general have about the Book of Mormon if they know anything about it at all? You know, many, many people don't hardly know anything about Mormonism in, in most cases, um, and, you know, one of the things I want to point out is, like, you know, like, a lot of people in my background would have thought it was almost like the Satanic Bible, um, you know, that kind of uh, thing. Like, and I even talked to somebody who now has a Book of Mormon in their home, uh, but a month ago wouldn't have had one, but he yeah. went to attend, attended a Church of Jesus Christ service and got himself a Book of Mormon. And he's like, I don't know what's happened. You changed my, turned my world upside down, Steve. And I'm like, well, okay, that happens. But, but the thing is, is that there definitely is taboos. Now, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, first of all, were there any taboos that you experienced about the Book of Mormon? But also, what do your friends and family think about your engagement with the Book of Mormon? Mine? Most of I don't really talk to a whole lot of people. I mean, I, I mean, if people start talking about Mormons, I'm one of, I will always defend them <laughs> as Christians. Um, but, uh, and if the topic comes that way, I will say, yeah, you know, I, I've studied a bit of this. Um, but most people, if I do mention it, they're just kind of like, ah, oh, there's sort of a, a blank thing. It's funny, you've even mentioned the taboos. This is why I keep this little tiny uh, copy of the Book of Mormon I found in that same used bookstore because look what someone's written on. Oh, wow. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. And, I, and uh, they wrote on the inside. Beware Antichrist. Yeah, uh, I was. What does it say? I was what? Oh, uh, I was a Mormon, and this is Antichrist. Okay, um, this type of writing in a book of scripture just makes me kind of scratch my head. As I've kept this one, it's just sort of a weird little novelty that someone would go to the trouble of grabbing a pen, scribbling that on there, and and everything. I think, but that's that's kind of rare to me. I think most of the people that I encounter who are kind of mainstream Christians. Just seem like I don't know. I know they've got a book, and now they'll give it to you for free. But beyond that, they just seem uninterested, which kind of confuses me because you and I obviously find it quite interesting. Um, so sometimes the apathy is harder to understand than any sort of yeah. outright antipathy. Well, we know last fall I was asked to speak at a Book of Mormon rally, and the person who put together the rally went to me and said, "Okay, Steve. So now I'm not sure you're not." anti-Book of Mormon, but it's like, what, I don't quite understand what your approach is to Book of Mormon. I said, oh, real simple, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Book of Mormon. It's like, oh, you know, as a matter of fact, Corey, he asked me to reach out to other Christians who love the Book of Mormon to speak at his Book of Mormon rally. So if you're in, in Independence, Missouri in the fall, uh, 
I'm just going to give you an invite to, to come and speak. All right. Independence isn't too far a drive from Nashville. Yeah. So, hey, you heard it here. Maybe we got ourselves another Christian's going to be on the stage this fall. So that's awesome. That sounds kind of so, cool, actually. <laughs> before we segue to this revolutionary, we spent a lot of time talking, geeking out. And I know Corey and I could probably talk for another hour. But the main reason we're actually here today for the show is to talk about something that Casey um, has spent 15 years developing. And it's a new revolutionary approach to uh, accessing the Book of Mormon online. And so, uh, Casey, I just want to welcome you, um, and I just want you to kind of take the floor. Or was there any questions you had for either one of us before we moved on? Do you have any comments, yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me bring up one thing. I think this would be a, an interesting um, thing to hear a response for. Uh, you know, in in classic literature, you know, the Bible is often engaged, whether that's with you know Dostoevsky or or John Steinbeck or you know whoever it might be that are dealing with biblical themes. And I think the the intent is. You know, a reader can read a book like that and then return to the Bible and see it with fresh eyes or engage it in different ways. I wanted to ask, um, and you mentioned to to a point. You know, you see how Nephi engages Isaiah, how how Third Nephi engages Matthew. Have there been any instances where where you've uh, seen how the Scripture or Bible is being referenced or alluded to, and then that then gives you a new perspective or new ideas to to test when you return to the Bible? Um, as, as and and approach the Bible as scripture without the Book of Mormon being scripture for you, but still mm -hmm. you know providing a resource the way that maybe classic biblical themed literature might. Or you take that first. I got to think about that. <laughs> I'll take it first. Um, I think as I've gotten more familiar with it, um, I think it has started to kind of uh, interact a little bit more. I'm not sure if it. You know, like I wouldn't say it, it changes my understanding of scripture so much, but um, uh, specifically, I think what pops into my mind is when I read, uh, you know, uh, Christ's visit in Third Nephi, um, and and that sort of uh, sort of repeat uh, uh, encore of the, uh, the the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I, I start seeing that just imagining the, the, the different cultural context. Like if, if you take the, you just take surface value of, um, the development of the Nephite culture, and then you think thousands of miles away, here comes this early, you know, this, the figure of Christ and his apostles in the Middle East. Now Christ comes as new apostles in the Americas, you know, I, that just gets me kind of getting into a thought experiment, I guess, on, you know, watching how the, the Nephite culture develops from there. Are there parallels between how the Christian culture developed? Because, you know, certainly I, I think there's, there's a, and maybe even in Steve's evangelical sort of, uh, tradition there's often a feeling in some christian traditions that somehow that early church of the first century was just so perfect and then you read paul and that 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 totally falls apart there's all kinds of problems in the early church and so i look at the the nephite story and i say okay here's christ he comes he starts this this faith here and of course then you have that other really interesting sort of angle in the book of mormon where you've got people celebrating a sort of proto-christianity 
before Jesus appears on the scene. Um, but we we see this development, and then what what is it like? Just a uh, hundred years later, I, I can't remember off the top of my head uh, that the war is pretty much between the Lamanites and the Nephites just brings everything to a screeching halt. Um, it, it all kind of it, it's it's a, an exploration to how do people take the message of the gospel and then totally screw it up by their their various personal interests i just think that there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting exploration that can be done that way yeah, so does that I make think, sense oh yeah yeah no that that's great but. i think one of the things i think i'm going to take a little different tech i think what i find is interesting is how the book of mormon through my friend's book the pentecostal reads the book of mormon by dr christopher thomas my friend he he talks about how in many ways the book of mormon engages my faith tradition and how mm. it actually uh what is interesting about the book of mormon is that it has key azusa street doctrine fivefold ministry um the uh, baptism with fire uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit with initial evidence of tongues. These are doctrines that are unique to 1906 Azusa Street Mormonism. So what I find is how the Book of Mormon almost anticipates and is actually engaging the current Pentecostal charismatic movement as we speak through this book. Nobody ever found this out until this book came out a few years ago. But there's 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 like fully matured Pentecostal doctrine in mm. the Christian uh, in in the book of mormon and that's a really fascinating find that he made and uh, so i think that that's where my interaction is is that how the book of mormon interacts and also can be used as a means of having conversations with other believers of the book of mormon and speak their same language and that's why i'm so willingly open to accepting the book of mormon as a christian book that can be used as means of having dialogue conversation and bridge building so that's the most fascinating thing that's that's changed my perspective of the Book of Mormon. So I really first engaged the text through that book. And then mm -hmm. I recognize there's a lot more to the Book of Mormon than just some 19th century uh, frontier uh, fairy tale. Yeah, I, and I would also add that it just, because you know, I mentioned several minutes ago about we, my, my very young first impressions of the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like, oh, it's just some more Bible stuff, right? But I think it was probably when I uh, stumbled on Grant Hardy's understanding the Book yeah. of Mormon that I realized how complex the interactions are. And that's now something that really fascinates me, the uh, chiasmus in the Book of Mormon. Uh, a lot of the literary devices that are happening are far more complex than some just guy cribbing off the King James Bible. Um, and I think that's probably one of the things that got me uh, stumbling on the earlier version of Casey's site was that I was like, I'm trying to make sense of this thing, and I want to see how people are breaking it down and, and kind of uh, charting this storyline, and that's probably around in two, 2013 when I found this site, Book of Mormon, uh, online. I thought, oh, man, there's so many resources to help me kind of make my way through this unfamiliar territory. Well, so I think that's, take it away, cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a perfect segue. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this, and your, your new and improved... Uh, what is sure. this, uh, 2.0? What do you want to call it? Right. Um, actually, if we were to put version numbers on it, it's probably 3.0. This is the third major development um, in it, uh, in a digital form. It, it actually had a, a previous iteration just in notebooks um, that that I started uh, on my mission. And, you know, as, as missionaries, we have... Um, 
30 minutes every day that are that are intended to be dedicated to Book of Mormon reading, which is separate from, uh, you know, if you want to read the Bible, the Doctrine and Covenants or, you know, uh, general conference talks or whatever, that actually is is not to infringe on on that time. That is to say that there's a lot of that, that um, missionaries spend a lot of time just reading the Book of Mormon uh, every day. And, you know, so over the course of, of two years, you can get through it, um, you know, many times. And, you know, as I was, as I was going through it, um, I, I realized that there was not, um, that there were many uh, parts of it that kind of get um, glossed over or, or that get de-emphasized when you're just giving the uh, the reader's digest version or you know teaching a, a lesson in in church or sharing a, a story um and and there are these um just a lot of a lot of portions in it that that are hard to to make sense of because um the the tools we have to approach it which are basically here are the books the chapter the verses those do not always um, correspond to to the context and to what's going on, and even the the sequence that we have, you know, documents that were uh, written later that that then get injected in stories earlier. I mean, let's just take the Book of Ether for example. Like, oh well, the Ether is the story of the Jaredites. Well, not really. It's actually Moroni's um, Moroni's abridgment of it, and he spends many chapters just writing about his own stuff. And he's like, okay, and now let me get back to the Jaredites. <laughs> And, and Moroni is happening at the very end of the of the of the chronology, and Jaredites are happening at the very beginning. So you yeah. you, you kind of have this this chronological whiplash going back and forth, but that's usually just lost on on that, and and it can, it can lead to some embarrassing um, misunderstandings. So, uh, for example, like Ether twelve is is uh, a very famous chapter that where Moroni is is talking about um, uh, about faith and um, and you know, it, very frequently quoted. But if you're just looking, oh, this is an ether. Oh, well, I, I guess maybe ether wrote this. And so sometimes you'll see, and this kind of drives me crazy when I see this. In a, it's so easy to misattribute uh, quotations. You're like, oh, as ether says, and then you quote ether twelve. And it's actually Moroni. And also, even the end of Mor the end of the Book of Mormon is written by Moroni. But you have letters written by Mormon injected in the Book of Moroni. So Moroni seven is also a very, very famous um, chapter that's off quoted. And I can't tell you the number of times I've saying like, as Moroni said, you know, uh, quote it, and and then say, see Moroni seven. Actually, that's Mormon speaking. So so there, <laughs> so there was, confuses LDS. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and and so I'm like, I need to peel this apart. I need to. I need to draw the the margins and the outlines around what's happening where and i need to arrange this in a way that then um you can understand the the flow and the and the chronology and and uh steve i think you had mentioned earlier that there was this this bible or a category of bibles uh about um arranging the biblical text chronologically uh do, do you, was there a particular edition that that you had well, uh, there's um, one that I can I can probably find find and put a link in the description. Basically, there's this professor who taught at Hiles Anderson College in Northwest Indiana in the 1970s, and he came up with the chronological uh, Bible. And uh, I think he has the fall of the the angels falling uh, at, at, 
at the very beginning before the mm -hmm. creation. And so he attempts to do the whole chronology uh, of the Bible. And uh, that, I remember encountering that as a kid and being fascinated by that particular edition. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think um, like the a Harmony of the Gospels exercise yeah. kind of does something similar. And I think yeah. I encountered that. I encountered mm -hmm. a, a Harmony of the Gospels and I could see like the columns. Here's Matthew, Luke, Luke uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even, um, uh, you know, an extra column for extra stuff like when Isaiah uh, is, you know, mentions the, the suffering servant and, and kind of putting that in, in the, the New Testament uh, chronology as a, as a prophecy. Um, and, and I remember seeing that and being like, okay, they're doing it. They're they're taking the chronology. Like, let's take the birth of Christ. Here, we're gonna have we're gonna put Matthew one next to Luke two, and you know we're gonna arrange this so that you can go through the harmony of the Gospels, um, at what like follow the life of Christ, and also cover all of the text. And there, there you're not gonna miss anything. You're the stuff that's similar that's talking about the same event are gonna be presented uh, side by side. And, and I, I just saw tremendous value in that approach. Now, I've, I've since um, realized the downsides of that, especially when you consider the, the literary and the theological distinctions between the two, but there are some big problems of trying to take John and inject it into the synoptic gospels. And, um, and also, you know, each, each of these books, you know, the book of, of Matthew is kind of intentionally structured to resemble a new Torah with, you know, five, five sections and stuff like that. And that's going to be completely lost when you, when you're cutting it up and, and pasting it uh, chronologically. So, so I, I do want to acknowledge the drawbacks of this type of approach, but it's also very, very useful and very effective in, in mapping it out and being like, okay, this is what's going on. This, you know, when this, when these two groups split, one goes this way, one goes that way, but their stories are happening in parallel, that becomes more clear. Um, and, and you can understand that there's, that, that these are distinct stories that then may converge, converge later. So, so my, my original notebooks were kind of going through every passage in the Book of Mormon and trying to arrange it and, and trying to identify like the stuff that happens, like what is a narrative event? This happens, that happens, that happens. And then when you encounter a sermon, you know, the thing that happens is, you know, Benjamin gives a sermon and the, but then you have multiple chapters to work through. So I kind of took the sermons and put them in their own little sections as non-narrative. Um, so you have the, the narrative portions and then, then the discursive sections uh, that then are, are kind of split apart so that you can say, you know, Benjamin gives a speech like, and then you know, see this page where where you can kind of get the beginning and, and the end, and that's useful too because then you can um, instead of just kind of having the words just flow page over over page, you can you can kind of see the way the uh, the arguments are structured in the in the discourse. You know, what's the introduction? What's the main point? The way you might you know diagram and structure an essay that becomes much more clear. The, the points that people are that the the writers and the and the speakers are making, um, so so anyway I I take all of this um, this rearranging of the of the Book of Mormon and um, at the time I was uh, entering college and majoring in information systems, and I'm like this is a perfect opportunity for me to uh, apply what I'm learning in school in terms of databases and. Uh, you know, user experience and web development and multimedia. And I kind of got this vision of this needs to be presented in, in a digital uh, format. This is, this is suited to that. And, um, and then over the course of several years, at, while I was a student in, at, at BYU, 
I, I produced the first version of Book of Mormon Online, which was primarily cutting up the text, rearranging it, and, and giving uh, providing narrative uh, summaries that um, that are intended primarily to show the chronological and narrative outline. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll let me. Let me Take it to there right now. I do want to do a screen share where I can show you where it's at. And this is the, this is the new version. Um, but let's see the uh, the first. You know, I so I started the outlines um, like I said, maybe fifteen ish years ago. I'm, I'm a little hazy on the full uh, chronology, but I think 2007 ish is when the the first version came out. Second version um, had some more features that were a little more interactive. That, that came out in 2011 and then uh, just just this year um, coming out with the new one. So in the second version, I think, Corey, that's when you stumbled on it. Yeah, about two, 2013, I think, is when I joined, when I created an account. And and do you do you have any memory? Did you like Google it? Did you Google Book of Mormon study and come across? I must something? have Googled it. I think I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, when I first decided I'm going to read this thing, cover to cover was actually, even though it's a short book, was fairly daunting to me for some of the reasons I think that you just mentioned. It's a it's complex work. There's a lot of shifting of perspective. And so I think I just started saying, I must see, you know, and, and also just charting progress was something that I wanted to do because I just, I had no real uh, roadmap. And so I, I think I Googled Book of Mormon online. And so of course, when you throw in the term online with Book of Mormon, yours was probably one of the first hits. And when I stumbled, I was like, Wow, like it really, it really was a light bulb coming on to see it. And I think probably after messing with her for a few weeks, that's probably when I kind of contacted you and just said, "Hey, non-LDS person here, love the site. This is so helpful." Yeah, cool. And, that, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I just kind of put it out there. Honestly, it was primarily for my own benefit. I'm just like, I, I have this picture in my mind. I need to be able to map it out and just like. Put it on paper, put it on digital paper, so to speak, um, you know, so that I can refer to it in the future, and, and also so that um, you know, I, I, had a, I had a, a, one of my missionary companions had talked about, you know, because we're reading the Book of Mormon every day. He he describes it as like, you know, you have like a radar that the circular radar that kind of has the line that goes around, and it's like refreshing. And so when the bar just goes behind it, the new dots appear, but then they kind of fade. He described his Book of Mormon reading experience as that. He's just like, he can only remember what he read, you know, in the last two weeks and everything else just kind of fades into this, this blur until you read it again. And I'm just like, we need a layer where you can kind of see the Book of Mormon all from, from a bird's eye view. That's not just, you know, first, second Nephi, Jacob, Venus, Jerem, Omni, because that, that doesn't really tell you anything about the story that those are, you know, the, the names of, of authors that sometimes don't even correspond to it. I mean, Alma dies about two thirds of the way through the book of Alma. <laughs> you know, the end of Alma really should be should be Helaman one, and then Helaman should be Helaman two. So those just really aren't helpful helpful things. And you know, some people have photographic memories where they can you know give chapters and verses and know exactly the, the context, but but um, you know, mo most people can't, and and I don't think that that should be uh, expected. So let me let me share my screen here. Hopefully, this will this will work on a on a technical view. What I'm going to show first is is the table of contents here. So what I did instead of when you see the Book of Mormon table of contents, you you would be expecting first Nephi, second Nephi, third Nephi, or um, you know Jacob, Enos, Jeremiah, Omni. 
But what I have here is 12 sections, and it was just 12 kind of by accident. This wasn't, um, you know, trying to wedge it into <laughs> 12 tribes, 12 tribes. Um, you know, even though 12 is a nice uh, biblical number. <laughs> um, so we have Jaredite era, Lehites in Jerusalem and Arabia, colonization of the promised land, the land of Nephi, Zarahemla, going back to the land of Nephi, um, Zarahemla under judicial control, uh, the war chapters, mission to the Lamanites, Gadianton period, the Messianic ministry, and the Nephite decline. So those are the 12 kind of supersections that everything in the Book of Mormon falls in, into one of these categories. And then, then you'll see that there's kind of a major outline for each one, which represent the se sections. And this is this would be similar to what you'd find in modern Bibles or even the, the Grant Hardy uh, readers editions, where, where you have uh, section headings that... Um, that the text is is presented in, and then kind of sub pages. So we see, you know, Lehites in Jerusalem starts with Lehi's prophetic call. It ends with a departure towards the, the promised land. But in the middle here, we have Nephi's vision, which is kind of uh, a, this one's not technically a discursive section, but kind of functions like that because it's an encapsulated um, uh, it's encapsulated content that corresponds to a, a particular um, event. Um, so. Let me let me just jump in and, and give an example of, of this. If I if I click on on this, let's just go to our the Nephites or the Lehites in Jerusalem and Arabia, and hopefully this will this will work for there us. Yeah. Um, we have the the main title and the outline that you saw right there was corresponds to these. Um, you know, the bullet points in the table of contents is is each of these sections, and then you'll see that there's subsections. I mean, uh, just just these narrative points. So, for example, you know, during the reign of Zedekiah, a number of prophets emerge and warn the people of Jerusalem's imminent destruction. So what you see on the left, this is this is original content. This is what I wrote and then edited over the, the course of, of many years. But then you click on the right here, and this is the actual text, 1 Nephi 1.4, that this corresponds to. And one of the questions I often get is, well, where's Nephi 1.1? <laughs> and, and like, why are you starting at verse 4? And back to the chronological thing, you know, verse um, first Nephi one says, I Nephi having been born of goodly parents, I proceed to make a record um, of, of my days. You know, that moment that what's happening there, he's writing that as a middle-aged man already in the in the promised land when he when he starts yeah. creating his record. So, you know, in, in the TV series, you know, when you have the flashback, you know, fades fades to white, this is where the flashbacks takes to takes you to the first year of the reign of Zedekiah. So, so if you want to find First Nephi 1, 1, you're not going to find it here in the same way that, uh, you know, Harmony of the Gospels type style. We, we've cut this up and, and rearranged it. Right. Um, first Nephi 1, 1 is going to be in, in the, uh, the uh, when Nephi is actually making his, his record. Um, so, cool. uh, so, so, uh, so Corey, this is what, this is more or less what you would have encountered. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can speak to, you know, when, when, like, what was it that made the light bulb go on for you? Was it seeing it arranged like this or was it? Yeah, yeah. several things. Uh, seeing it arranged like this was great. Um, the idea that it's so easy, you know, like right now on your, your screen share, um, all the, the bullet points are green here, but uh, I don't know if you have any pages where you've got some yellows. The idea that I could go um, and yeah, there you go. And and uh, I'm sure you can show also where um, where you can see all your progress just laid out in all your little green and yellow dots. It was super convenient to to me to have the text arranged in this way that made it more comprehensible. But then where I was also able to um, 
easily keep track of exactly kind of where I was in the text um, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to stick a bookmark in here and you say, okay, that's, but this is helping you remember because it's very easy if I say, oh, I'm, I'm just about to read this uh, gray one that I haven't even done. Oh, I didn't finish the one before that. And to quickly just get a, a, a quick visual view of exactly where you are in the text. It's really much handier as much as I love Grant Hardy's thing that you mentioned. This is even better, really, if you're trying to really absorb it because um, it's it's much more comprehensive, I think, than just sort of chapter headings. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let me talk about that tracking feature there. So when I first, um, so it was gray, but then when I open it, it turns yellow, which means you've started it. And then when enough time has has passed based on the length of the passage, it'll it'll turn green. And so you you can see the green is stuff that has been uh, studied, and the the yellow means you know I've started. So if I kind of wanted to just kind of cruise the cruise through this, um, I can I can get my my yellow dots, but um, I don't get credit for them, so to speak. Right. Until they until they they turn green. So if you just want to you know power through it, you'll get partial credit, but green means yeah. full credit. That and, was probably that, the very first time I contacted you actually because I'm a pretty fast reader. So I was opening up a section of text, reading it, and then going to the next one. I was like, wait a minute, I, I've read all these things, and my dots were saying, and you very helpfully said, oh well, it kind of takes the the length of time that it would take the audio to play if you were listening to the audio. Um, and then right. once that amount of time has gone by, you'll get credit for it. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, talk yeah. about so, that audio thing too. Maybe that's a great Right. So, so, you know, some people are, are more visual learners. Some people benefit from, from audio. Um, I can and turn the audio on. That I was right overcome here. because of my afflictions. And, um, for I considered that mine afflictions were great above all because of the destruction of my people. For I had beheld their. So and it'll actually read the passage that that you're in um, that you're in here. So and where did you get that audio from? Where do you, where does that come from? This is um, this is extracted from uh, the 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 church produced um, uh, audio. Okay, and, and their the audio now is a different it? recording. Although right, right, that, that's true. There are multiple versions out there. This is this is a, an earlier version. Um, you know, th there are there are some ind independent um, independently produced audio um, versions as well. I would like to get a variety of, of voices and, and recordings uh, on here, but but the idea is, um, you know, let me turn this on here, um, that you can. Oh well, let, let me let me actually jump to the uh, the the tracking um, here because when yeah. you've got so so this is what what we were just at when you saw those those green um, those green circles uh, on the page, you can see that this is what I had completed and and what I've. Um, uh, you know what I've gotten credit for here, and here's where I have not. So, uh, so you can see total in in total. You know I've done 56% of this page, uh, which is part of the Lehites in Jerusalem and Arabia. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's time for me to jump into Nephi's vision. I can I can click that dot right there, and it will it will open it, and it should even auto open open it right there. There there we are. Yeah, there we are. Um, and then it turns yellow, and then after enough time, it'll turn green. Which means that then we can we can move on to the next one with uh, with full credit. And I, I should mention that we have some uh, some art um, mm. that, that that come from various um, you know uh, children's and um, uh, you know here's here's the uh, the the tree that that my father saw 
Um, and you know, there's multiple um, variations that that you can look at there. So it's a very it's a very rich, um, a media rich experience as you go through. Now it's all optional, you know, uh, but this is you know you see a little icon on the side and you can um, you can you can check out what uh, art corresponds to it. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool is on the right here you see these these numbers and and what these uh, means is that there's actually um, commentaries. That, that corresponds to that, um, to that passage. Now you can get the entire book of, of commentary, but it's a big thick stack of, of content. You got to flip to the right passage to get to what you want. Basically that work has already been done. All these indexes have already, uh, these commentaries have been pre-indexed, meaning that if I, if I hit this right here, everything about this Hosanna to the Lord um, passage, all the corresponding uh, commentaries that, that we have, um, you know, show up, uh, show up right here. And there's, um, looks like we just hit a bug there. If you do encounter a bug, there, there is a, <laughs> there's a bug report, <laughs> a bug report, because I should know that this is still in beta, the, the new version and the new features um, is still technically in beta. So it, it is a little, a little uh, bug prone. Usually if there's a bug, it'll just, it'll just flash um, to a, uh, a blank screen like that, but then you can just you can just, you can just re refresh it. So um, you've gotten a couple dozen uh, bug reports from me, I believe. Right, right. And, and so and so, you know, Corey has been very helpful uh, when you know as I kind of moved to this new version, he's been my my star beta tester, and uh, and has you know really helped get this to to where it needs to be. How so many, how, how many commentaries did are you do, does the person get access to uh, on this site? approximately so so first you only get access to excerpts um uh you, you, there's no no place in which you can like download an entire uh, right but i mean how many uh, commentaries commentary. are you oh i i'd say i mean if you count like multiple volumes th there's there's about 20 series um and then even more if you if you break it down into uh into into individual um volumes cool. um a lot <laughs> So, so, you know, just from like my, my objective with, with this is whatever you want to get out of it. If you just want to skim, you know, just read the table of contents just by reading these bullet points, you'll have an idea of what's going on. And this, and this is comprehensive. This covers, this is from A to Z. And then, but if you want to study a particular passage, um, you know, it also, it also enables you to, uh, to, to do that. Let me, um, let me get to a, uh, the, this passage that we we're just looking at here in Nephi's vision, um, you know, if I want to, uh, you know, he, here's here's the, you know, when Mary is is shown in in vision, um, you know, you want to you want to study this one carefully. You can kind of look at the um, at the commentaries here. But there's another thing that I want to point out here is is the the facsimiles. And for those that are historically minded and even you know textual criticism um, view, this is super. Uh, valuable too, because if, well, if I in that this, verse in particular, I'm glad you picked that one out. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, because th this one has uh, has some some controversy. Ah, uh, yes. to it. Although, I, let's see, is this is this the uh, mother of the, the son of God? Yeah, yes, yes, that that that's right. So so here you'll see that it says you know the mother of the son of God, and you know sometimes this is like well you know the Book of Mormon used to be Trinitarian and and then they then they 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 changed it and you know you you can. Um, you don't have to take people's word for it. You can actually like identify the source right here, but you don't have to page through, you know, a stack of facsimile editions. You just go to this page right here and we can see this particular verse um, first in the printer's manuscript. 
um, in Oliver Cowdery's handwriting here, you know, we, we can see right here the uh, it says the the mother of God, and you can see that the son of is actually injected, um, you know, as a as a as an inclusion right there. Um, I, Royal Skousen probably has something about you know when that was. That seems like in a, it's in a different ink stroke, but you'll see that in the 1830 version, it just says the mother of God. The mother of God. Yeah. But as that soon as, so 18, great. as 1837, we, we have the mother of the son of God. And then you can see in all, in all future editions, um, you know, what it looks like. And, you know, you have this, this like microscopic view where, you, I mean, th this, and, and it, it pre-highlights it for you. Yeah. Um, and pretty much almost, almost there's a couple of uh, exceptions where the, the facsimiles don't, don't turn up, but, you know, just from a like historical forensics uh, point of view, this is uh, this is a resource um, also that you can just see how do, what did this text look like to people in the past. Yeah. Uh, and, and if there is a controversy, you know, why did you spell it like this? Why did you spell it like that? It's actually this. It's actually that. Well, you know, just check the facsimiles and and you know. Yeah. So, and how many facsimiles? One. How many facsimiles do they have access to? So in in this one, the ones that are indexed verse by verse, we have printer's manuscript, and then let's see, let me count this: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then um, uh, so ten. And one one this is a more modern version that shows the um, uh, uh, poetic parallelisms. So we have ten that are indexed verse by verse. However, if you do have a, a interest in in further facsimiles, I have much more non-indexed. So so if you see on the menu here, this is. Um, this is more like appendices and and I call it like extracurricular content because you, you won't get credit. Um, there's no green and green dots that get through this, but this is this is very useful for reference. Um, mm. I believe that this is the most complete, uh, the largest uh, his, um, collection of historic uh, historical Book of Mormon editions anywhere on the internet. And most of these are, are coming from Google Books and archive.org, but here they're all organized in, in one place. I think I have, uh, you know, several dozen here. Um, yeah. and, and this, this is this one, one of my favorite pages. <laughs> this one will actually, you know, you, you can flip through them page by page. You don't have a, a verse index, so, so you kind of have to um, put on more of a archivist hat on here. It's... Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you can see the the printer's manuscript here. You can see the the eighteen thirty edition, um, and then uh, even some of some of them that I recently added. Uh, what was it? The the record of the Nephites. Um, yeah, the Nephi records. It's the Nephi right record. there. The, the, yeah, right right hand side. Oh, yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. And and they're organized by year also. So what the year yeah. that they were published. So you kind of have a, a chronological publica publication history here at the Book of Mormon, where you can actually examine each page. Um, you, you have to do a little more work if you go on here, but on the on the main text, um, the ten and and those are kind of the major editions. Some of them were just uh, they are new printings, but they're using the the, the old stereotypes or or just uh, referring to previous editions. But especially the ones that were published during Joseph's lifetime are are kind of key to that um, to that experience. Like the 1920 and 1921 Salt Lake editions are virtually identical, right. yeah. if I recall. Yeah, 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 they are. And and the only um, the only reason I even added them is because I didn't even think a 1921 existed, but I was confronted with the evidence here. Uh, you know, but it does, it does seem to be a, a reprint of the of the 1920. Hmm. Um. So so yeah, let's um. So that this all the features I showed you right there were in the old version the the new version kind of has um, uh, a new social component um, which is uh, which is kind of 
innovative, and I think there's a lot of uh, of opportunity here. And and Corey's actually been instrumental in um, in in helping get that off the ground. Um, should, should we should we transition to, to that, Steve? Sure. Did you have yeah, uh, please. some, some, some follow up? Uh, yeah, you got the floor. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so right now I'm I'm there's a concept called study mode, um, which which may be a little confusing because it's like, well, aren't I studying right now? Well, yes, um, but this is kind of a read only study. Uh, if I if I go here, um, so right now the user that I'm on right here, I'm I'm staff, which is which is just kind of an, an administrator account. I can turn study mode on, and what you what you'll see is that it just turned on comment boxes as well as um, you'll see here uh, comments from from Corey, which which indicates that he came across this passage, and and he made a, a comment on it. And you know Facebook style, I can I can like that, and then he can he can uh, you know see that that I I like that I you know made a comment here. Good observation. Um, but let me let me walk through the the idea of. Um, of these study groups and and see you know how, how do you set it up from uh, from the the ground up. So if I hit this button right here that says you know create a new study group, um, you know let's let's uh, let's call it here um, Mormon book Mormon book reviews. Um, let's say this is demo for the channel. Um, okay, and it looks like Corey just signed a signed online and and just turned yeah. green here. Um, so, so what I'm going to do here, I'm just going to keep a default thing. I'm going to, I'm going to make this a private group and, and I can explain what that means in, in a little bit. I'm going to create this, create this group and hopefully it'll, it'll work for me. What I'm going to do is I can create uh, an invitation here, um, which is basically just a, a link. And I'm going to, I'm going to send this to Corey. Corey, I'll just send it through the, through the chat right here. And then, um, Oh, the uh, the uh, Zoom chat. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can cool. find it. Yep, I can find it there. And so, so uh, Corey's gonna gonna see this, and I can, um, you know, I can see who what members are in this group right now, and hopefully this all this will work okay. But um, but Corey's gonna be joining this group. So so this is kind of a the group itself ends up just being kind of like a chat room. Um, I think I'm I think I'm there. Hold on. Okay. Trying to juggle two two windows here. Accept yeah, yeah, no, invitation. There you go. Accept the invitation. You should already be should already be logged in. Okay, bam. So uh, Corey just just showed up here, and and there's kind of a social component to this. I can see that Corey's already completed it. This is what the trophy means. He completed it once in 2018 and once in 2022. So the trophy means that okay, this guy has done the work. This guy <laughs> has has some has some credentials. Can see like okay you started on january uh 2013 that was your first recorded thing so you can kind of keep tabs on on people and, and that's why there is uh you know privacy settings if you stay entirely in private groups this isn't going to be broadcast to anyone other than uh, than who's in your your group currently um but it can be helpful you know if you're if you're helping or, or coaching someone through it or you know I, I had this in mind for families that want to go through it together um you know seminaries and and institutes that uh that are Trying to support each other going through it, even missionaries and and investigators, um, or just folks like you that just want to want to get get through it. Um, and okay, here we go. So Corey just uh, just said hi, um, and uh, I'll say hello. Okay, and and so um, what's happening here is I'm going to uh, now that each of these have this little text box under, um, I'm I'm going to say you know I'm I'm going to highlight some text here. I'm going to say we 
we've obtained a land of promise. I'm going to add a comment. Um, you know, we'll say, where is it? <laughs> uh, where is this land uh, of promise? Big controversial question. And now, Corey, you should um, have seen that that message uh, somewhere on your view, and he's able to to answer it. Uh, are you able to? Yeah, I, um, I've got to open the study hall, I think. Hold on. Okay. Oops. Hello. So, so the the idea being that that we can then kind of have a real time conversation as we're going through the text, comment on specific passages, respond to each other. And of course, if you have a, a group of, of several people all working together, you can have some some pretty uh, spirited and and, and um, productive discussions. But the main thing is this isn't just completely free form. This, this tries to incentivize you to, um, to keep the conversation grounded in the text, linked to the text. Um, and you know you can create threads for 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 any one of these. Okay, Corey just came back online. Yeah, um, sorry, it's my everything seized up on me for one second. Oh, okay. yeah, Google Chrome just kind of said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Yeah, I am. Oh, <laughs> oops, I hit a bug. And just and so. again, there, there's um, there, there oh, may there be some go. some bugs that still need to be uh, be ironed yeah. out. So, so, until that's all um, sorted out, it'll will remain it. We'll keep so, it here in in beta. Yeah. So somebody, if they wanted, like, let's say they're part of like a study group and they wanted to start a private group about the Book of Mormon. And I mean, studying the Book of Mormon there and they, mm -hmm. and, and so the people could form their own groups. Yes. Yes. And then, yeah, and then yeah. it kind of creates their own social group. So like, if you're doing like a study group and you could use this resource and then you could communicate to each other and, 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 and really, that sounds very fascinating to me. I think exactly. To that. And there is a, there is a home view right here, which is kind of the, the community feed. And this takes the, the most recent comments that have been made wherever and kind of puts them in a Facebook-like uh, feed. So you can, you can see, um, you know, and eventually I'll put some filters on it so it doesn't get, get too crowded. Right now it's pretty indiscriminate as far as what messages uh, show up on here. But you can, you can engage um, in, in the, the particular groups um, and, you know, say, uh, comment directly on it. Um, in, in real time. And you can click on it and then it takes you back into the text. So if there's a conversation happening around a particular passage, you can um, you can jump right in there. Okay, here we go. Great. So Corey just just added a, uh, a comment here. Um, and I'm just I'm just gonna like that. Uh, I'm gonna say, good answer. Don't don't paint yourself <laughs> in a corner. <laughs> just went ahead and quoted from the next sentence. <laughs> right. And and so you can also put comments on commentaries. You can you can put comments on uh, facsimiles. Um, you know, if it doesn't have this isn't necessarily super substantial discussions. You know, I can I can just put wow, and then anybody that goes on the home screen right here is going to see well what did I see? What was I reacting to? And then then they could um, they could uh, react with themselves. Now uh, I think I may just have found a bug. I'm already in this group. I should be able to. Um, uh, to respond to it. I may have to refresh the page before I'm able to do that. But um, yeah. I should add too that um, you ended up also linking this up with uh, your scripture guide. Oh, that's site. right. So, so it's really handy because you could say, oh, this reminds me of, and do a, a reference that's either in the Bible or the Book of Mormon or DNC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so there's a there's a a feature here that you know I'm going to put reminds me of John uh, or I'm sorry John three sixteen, um, if I if I hit enter here it will automatically detect that this is a a Bible reference 
and and I can you know immediately click on it and uh, you know it'll take me to a, a spot where where I can I can uh, get to it. So that means that if you're if you actually want to get into like a theological discussion and you're you're dropping references and you're you know writing references, it will automatically link it. Which which um, you know sometimes if you're in a in a discussion, you put a big string of references. Like nobody's going to look that up. Come on, but. If it's a link and all you got to do is click, yeah. then then you're more likely to actually. Well, it's great because you can you can link to the Bible. You can say, oh, this is this is an echo of, and I've done this a few times on, yeah, yeah, on yeah. your site where I've said, oh, this reminds me of, uh, you know, let's say Jesus talking to the woman at the well or whatever kind of right. echoes you're hearing. Someone can go that they can read a variety of different scripture versions, um, uh, different Bible versions. They can then, if if someone had a pertinent passage in the Doctrine of Covenants that they wanted to bring into the discussion, they could easily link to that. I mean, it's all, it can conceivably start a pretty good discussion, bringing yeah, a lot yeah, of scripture yeah. together. And, and, and that's that's what I would like to see, you know, have people incrementally start using this and, and provide all the tools to be able to have a, a spirited, productive uh, discussion and what I'm, you know, most excited about is that it it allows people like like Corey and Steve to to come in and, you know, um, just just talk about what's what's interesting to you, have the discussions, bring your own perspectives, and uh, and you know the, the Book of Mormon text I think is a place where where cross faith dialogue actually can occur, um, and it, in some cases it's just a matter of having the forum and having the tools to be able to do that effectively. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like I said, you know, we've been talking about the importance. That's why I kind of key in on the Book of Mormon because I do think I mean, there's two places that um, people, my people, can have conversations, and that is with the April 6, 1830 church the people that were in that room, and the text of the Book of Mormon. And so I feel that I think it's a beautiful thing you've put together because not only are you putting together something that just gives you a lot of information, but you're also encouraging social engagement with the text. And for people to communicate with each other. So now I know, look, I got just about every branch of the restoration watches my program, people. I got a lot of evangelicals now that are starting to engage the Book of Mormon, which I say, let's do that. I think your uh, site can be a place where these conversations can happen. And it can be, and it sounds to me, you've set it up so that it's going to, it's going to be civil because you're going to stay within the context of this text. It's going to be all text oriented. And that's where you want the conversation to go. I think it's a beautiful thing that you're setting up here, Casey. And I think that this is a this is just another room, if you will, that we can all enter into and have a conversation. Sure. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a room and then but then everybody comes armed with the with the tools uh, that they need to be able to, you know, look things up, discuss things, ask questions, be able to get responses, uh, refer to other passages. And you know, uh, cite commentaries, look it all up. You know, instead of oh, I heard somewhere that someone, somebody said, well, you know, like the commentary is probably here. Like, look it up and actually comment on the on that particular passage. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's great. I think it's and, also. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's Corey. Go ahead. Oh, I, I think it's also flexible in the way that I think you can approach the text from whatever angle interests you the most. If you're really interested in historic book of Mormon editions. You've got that for them. If you're interested in doing character studies, you didn't show this earlier, but you can click on any character's name that's bolded in those in that description column and find information about that character. If you're interested in Book of Mormon geography, you can come at that angle. If you're interested in uh, you know any number of different things, textually, um, commentaries, it's all there 
at your fingertips in, in a very flexible way. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. here, you have all the different people. Yeah, the book that right there. Right, right. So here's a big. It looks like I may have just caught another bug here. Let me yeah. uh, let me refresh this. So again, if you do encounter bugs, just just submit it. This is still in beta. We're still still ironing some some stuff out. But uh, the more the more usage we get, um, better off uh, better off we're gonna get. No, I'm just yeah. yeah here, here we okay, go. There we go. So yeah, yeah, you yeah, say so this is beta. I just want to know, like, it, can people today, like after they watch this episode, can they hop on and start engaging this right away? Uh, yes, absolutely. The the website is bookamore.online. Anybody like it's free. You can sign up. Uh, you can you can keep you can maintain your your privacy. Nobody has to know you're on it as long as you stay in private groups. If you join the public group, then then it, it will uh, it will show up on the on the homepage. Um, but yeah, there are no restrictions to it other than, you know, be patient with a few bugs here and there and, uh, and, you know, click this bug report tab if you do find something, but yeah, this is a completely open, uh, open beta experience. And then of course, this is a process you're going to continue to add to this. You're going to add more Absolutely. resources. Yeah. yeah. More I mean, th this position. is very different than like publishing a book where, you know, it, it goes to press and then it's going to be years before you have another second printing. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot more uh, going on. In fact, I can give you a sneak peek of something that is not um, that is hidden right now. Okay. There's a, I'm going to have an, an, uh, an, a section called analysis here on the left. It's not there now. I mean, if you if you go to the um, uh, th this is going to be let's see if this loads. Um, looks like I, it may not be um, functioning right now, but the, the stuff, I mean, this is all kind of coming soon under construction, mm -hmm. but uh, the, the stuff that I want to get data sets here. Um, you had, you had um, a Jonathan Neville on the other day talking about, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, stuff. He's mm. he got a big, a big database of all the lists. I want to get that data set on here and, and provide the tools to visualize it. I want to get, um, you know, uh, Royal Scouts and stuff to what extent I, I can and, and be able to, you know, do, do some critical text analysis on here. Stuff like show us the names, like find the, even, uh, you know, the, the matches with uh, early modern English or, you know, stuff like the, the, the late war and the book of Napoleon view, view of the Hebrews, what, whatever it is. Like yeah. uh, I I'm all about, let, let's, let's put it out here in a way that then anybody can, can check things out for themselves. So, what one of the examples? This is kind of an early one. This is this is the character. This is the characters document that's that's cut up uh, um, character by character. And if you click on it, you can see like uh, uh, similar characters and 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 how they you know either identical or similar ones. This is just wow. an example. I mean, th this is. Uh, but I want to provide these tools. It's like you can. I don't have any conclusion here. I, I'm like, so what? I, I'm not writing a paper. I don't have a thesis. I'm just like, let's provide the tools for people to engage this, you know, here's um, to engage it them, themselves. So I'm, 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 I am all about bringing together the data sets, providing the interface and you know what, do with it what you will. Um, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I haven't seen this. This is first thing for me. Uh, yeah, here, that, so. that, that hasn't been released. There's no link into that. But the, the other one, you know, speaking Absolutely. of putting it all out there is the geography. And I know there's a lot of opinions, quite strong opinions uh, about that. But I'm trying to, to map out every major, um, you know, geography theory. And I know there's some controversy. I, I want to make sure that every group that has a stake in this feels that they're represented accurately. I, I know there's been some issues with the Heartland one of just like, well, th this isn't right. This isn't the way we see it. Which is fine. I'm 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 completely open to um, updating this and making sure that everyone feels properly represented um, mm -hmm. uh, with this. But but the idea this is kind of like a Google Maps thing. I mean, you can you can zoom in and awesome. you can 
uh, you can you can like click on a, on a particular um, thing and say, okay, like Siren, Corianton goes to the land of Siren. Where is this? Alma 39.3. Click on it. Brings you back into the text. Again, everything I'm trying to do here is to bring you, to bring everyone back into the text and, uh, and you know, just kind of bring everything together, connect all the dots um, and, and have everyone just being able to understand and, and appreciate the, the text uh, for, for whatever you see it as. Casey, I just want to thank you so much for sharing this with my audience. And I, I want to wrap this up, but I just want to know, is there anything else you didn't have a chance to cover that you'd like to share with my audience? Well, um, I just want to give the invitation to explore this. Um, there are, like I said, a lot of appendices. I won't, I won't do a deep dive here, but you can do a, a timeline where you can kind of jump into the major, uh, major events. I showed the the people and the and the places databases where you can, you know, see um, the individual places. I already showed the facsimiles. We talked about reception history of, you know, how how was yeah. this. Uh, this is a, a, a visualization of a collection that BYU Library put together that has, in all the years that Joe Smith was alive, the actual documents that were presented, that were published, that mentioned the Book of Mormon. So even before it was published, we have the, the Palmyra newspapers that were saying, you know, talking about the Gold Bible. And then later, when it was published, people talked about, you know, Corey, you mentioned a Bible, a Bible. How, how yeah. you know, how, how did the, the Jewish community respond to the new scripture? Well, well here, here's the well, documents we you're talking yeah. about. They're talking yeah. about... A greater humbug has never been, uh, you know, yeah. presented among the children of men, greater yeah. so than Joe Smith's Golden Bible. You know, stuff like that. That's just. Uh, I bet uh, Alexander so, Campbell's critique is in there somewhere. Alexander Campbell, Campbell, right? Um, yeah. uh, well, you know, so Mark so Mark uh, uh, right? That, that was that was after Joe Smith's life. I don't I don't oh, have right. that, um, right. that there, but yeah, that's a great Got example. It. So again, this is all presented without commentary. Um, do with wow. it what you will. These are the documents that exist. Um, of course, most of them are 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 not very uh, friendly. You know, here, Mormonism unveiled so, um, <laughs> is is all here. But you know, just from a documentary history oh, perspective, this is um, this is a, a valuable resource. And you know, I can't take credit for this. You know, these are all historic documents, so it's public domain, like it or not. But um, BYU uh, Digital Collections did assemble this and, and did the legwork of the scanning and stuff. But I got to say that the vendor that they use for their online system is terrible. Like you can't browse this with any facility. <laughs> um, and and so that's that's part of what I'm trying to improve here. So I think that that pretty much uh, that pretty much covers it. Um, you know, I want to create these uh, a community where, where people can talk about things, where people have easy access to the text, where people have the resources that they need to understand things. and. Um, and that uh, you know we can have some some interesting and, and valuable conversations about this. Awesome! Why don't you exit out? There we go. So, uh, Corey, this was great, dude. We're a couple Book of Mormon awesome. dudes who are outsiders, and we get to really get experience. And of course, you've been an, an invaluable resource for for uh, for KC for a long time. And you, this is kind of partly your baby too, because you've been you know contributing for along as well. So you have to be really excited about this. Oh yeah, love it. I love it. That's great. And uh, so, so, so hang on, Corey, I got, I got one question for you. And, and this is this is more just like indulging uh, an LDS uh, fantasy of sorts. <laughs> um, <laughs> as as you were, has there ever been a time that you've you've been reading it and you have a King Agrippa moment? Almost thou convinces me. Uh, no, I, you know, I even I when I talked to some uh, missionaries several years ago, uh, they, they were surprised that like how familiar I was with like Moroni's promise and that sort of thing. 
I just did say, I was like, you know, guys, I, I think this is all fascinating. And I, I, you know, and I can say that I, I've prayed about the Book of Mormon. And for me so far, there's not the testimony. And so, so that, of course, can get into an interesting discussion about what sincerity is and all those kind of things. Um, but no, no real moment, but it's still what Steve was saying about you know, geeking out on it and finding the, the tradition fascinating and um and the culture i still i still just think i've i've barely scratched the surface on just learning about all the stuff there is out there and having this dialogue and the the you know some of the dialogue casey and i have been able to have over the past couple of months beta testing this i think has just been really enjoyable so you know to to be able to say, you know, I have this friend in Korea who I've never met face to face, <laughs> but we talk about the Book of Mormon and it's just, it's a cool thing. So, so awesome. You know, Casey, I, I just want to, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to have you come on the program and share this. And that really means a lot to me. Anything a little bit over a year ago, I started this channel, didn't nobody know who I was. And it's just kind of a cool thing that's happening that, um, so I just I think it's really cool for you letting me do this. I, I'm really honored. I'm 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 honored also. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm I'm happy to have me a, too. A I'm honored as well. <laughs> and you know I I I said you know I was thinking I'd like to get you know more users here. I'd like to kind of get the word out. Um, but then I I had been wanting you to talk to Corey for a long time too, and I'm just like, well, Corey's part of this story too. Let's let's bring them all on. Yeah. So I had a really good time talking to you guys, Corey. Hearing your story is fascinating. I'm finding more and more people like you coming out of the woodwork, man. There's, we're out there. Yeah. And so I think I found, and I think we all, I think my appearance on Mormon Stories in one sense brought out all the fans of Mormonism. Oh, I'm not alone. So I'm hearing from people throughout the world and they're telling, hey, I'm a big fan cool. too. And I'm like, well, oh, there's something to this. I don't think we've tapped into something we don't even realize. So I think that's just fun to be on this adventure. And, you know, Casey, I want to thank you so much for sharing this with my audience. I want to thank you again for coming on last year when my channel was still very small and you gave some a really great presentation on the atonement in the Book of Mormon. That was a lovely presentation, got a lot of good feedback on it. Uh, Corey, did you have any final words real quick? No, this has been great. Okay, awesome. Great time. <laughs> and Casey, is there anything you wanted to say before we, uh, we head out? Uh, sign up, make a study group, uh, submit bugs. That's... <laughs> And again, what's the name of the site? more comments than just mine. It's, it's bookofmormon.online. <laughs> bookofmormon.online. Okay, well, we're going to provide a link in the description, folks. Um, thanks. Once again, guys, thanks so much. I just want to remind my audience, okay, i got a Patreon page. I've got the PayPal if you want to support. You can reach me at mormonbookreviews at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, now we just got added to uh, uh, Odyssey. No, not one of the ones. Well, either way, we got Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. We're on all the major podcast formats. Folks, uh, 7,000 downloads in the last 30 days on the podcast format. So that's really growing really fast now too. Uh, we're almost averaging like 1,000 uh, downloads and or views a day on the channel. So I'm very excited about the growth. But thanks guys again for coming on on and you all have yourself an awesome day. <laughs>